Hello, I am Joe Rycroft. And I'm Adam Hewitt. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast, the show where we delve deep into the world of exercise, rehabilitation and wellness. A fun, non-drab approach where Adam and I will be talking about all things exercise, physiology, health and rehabilitation, whilst debunking myths, making some complex science a lot more simple and giving you some tips and tricks to improve your health and well-being. Each week we will host guest speakers who are experts in their field and hear from you, the listener, to answer any of your questions. Evening, Joe. Good evening, Ads. <laughs> you look a bit flustered. Quite red in the face, aren't I? Yeah, running in, putting your headphones on. You're right. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've had an interesting half an hour, Ads, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> Do tell. Um, so I um, am a member of a hockey club. Yeah. And, um, of course I'm, you are. I may White or may club, not... <laughs> hockey club, running club. <laughs> I may or may not have forgotten that training started tonight. And I may or may not have had the balls and half the kit in my downstairs cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to dash off and so drop I them off. I had to dash off. Thankfully, it's literally like two miles down the road. But I was like, you have to walk on this put- footpath to get there. So I had literally like bag of hockey balls, bag of hockey shirts, dragging a <laughs> That is <laughs> so typically. Way, thinking, shit, I'm going to be late. So, so typically Rycroft. <laughs> I know it's really bad. I need to get more organised. I'm, I'm going to make like a mid-year resolution. Forget New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Looking good though. How you, how's it going on your yeah. side? Otherwise, yeah, good. Managed to yeah. squeeze squeezing a little bite right as well. So you know, it's not been a bad day. Yeah, well, you can't complain about that. No. Are you good? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Um, just oh. life is good at the minute. Ticking on nicely. Very good. Very good. Oh, and I was I was going to ask Ads what what are the scores on the doors. On, on the analytics, you on mean? The, on the analytics. <laughs> well, chief, I, again, chief data analyst for Exercise Right UK yeah. is Adam Hewitt. Again, I shan't pretend like I don't know the answers. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, my for listening out there, my WhatsApp messages to Joe every now and then is just the number of countries that we've we've seen and we've been well, we've been listened to. Going <laughs> I just I just write. 18 countries so yeah we're up to 18 countries now which is pretty cool that's quite exciting um, really isn't it i've never i've definitely not been to 18 countries in my life so that feels like no a good not at all and actually i feel like like I, i've said it before but i feel like it was i i just thought it would be you know a, a small community within the uk <laughs> uh, just you logging on yeah our friends and family literally just doing it for support but there. Uh, well, I mean, also our our last episode with Olivia Jim is has very quickly become our most listened to episode. So uh, we're on the up, which is very good. It seems yeah. to me we're getting some nice momentum now. So very exciting. Yeah, I mean, guys, honestly, I know we we shamelessly plug, but do like and share um, if you think anyone can benefit from listening to the podcast or um, get any insight from the podcast and you think that anyone would also value it because that's what we're doing it for. We're doing it to help people and we're doing it to try and spread some good information out there. So, you know, please do. Who have we got today, Joe? Today we have Helen with us. Mm. And who's uh, Helen Ads? <laughs> Helen is actually, she's, I'm chuffed to bits with this one. She's logging on at 5.30 in the morning. So she's a uh, physiotherapist in Australia um, who's also had cancer and is cancer survivor and is basically going to talk to us about everything that she's been through, but also she's super passionate on exercise. Um, and I just think really fitting for this episode and podcast. So um, very lucky that she's agreed to, to set an early morning alarm. Um, but yeah, no, Helen is is the next one. It's going to be really good. Oh, wait, let's go. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Exercise Right podcast. We are very fortunate to have Helen Beely with us today, all the way from Australia. So Helen has kindly got up at 5.30 in the morning to talk to us, which we're very grateful for. Um, Helen is a physiotherapist and cancer survivor. And Helen, would you like to kick off by just telling us a little bit more about you and your work and experience to date? Okay, yeah, I'm Helen. I'm a physiotherapist. Um, I've been working as a physio since 1994. Uh, range of experience. I started out this uh, sports, private practice, you know, musculoskeletal, uh, moved on to occupational health, and then I went into hospitals where I did 
pulmonary rehab, um, a range of inpatient rehab, so, you know, Jerry or people who had major um, trauma, you know, car accidents, motorbike accidents, um, spent some time in cancer care uh, and palliative care. And my current job is uh, I work in an over 50s clinic with uh, exercise physiologists, physios. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, it's a great job. We, we've got, um, you know, a couple of gyms and uh, a third exercise space and just a really range of, uh, you know, interesting conditions from, you know, healthy aging, exercise for osteoporosis, arthritis, et cetera. So I, I love the over 50s cohort. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm a cancer survivor. I had cancer in 2020, just as Australia was going into lockdown. So most of my treatment was done with no visitors allowed, which was not particularly fun. Um, yeah. But can I just clarify the definition of cancer survivor? Because a lot of people, in the, a lot of people in the cancer community hate the term, but it's actually just a medic, it's just a medical definition, which means You've been diagnosed with cancer. So the very second you've do- you're diagnosed, to for the rest of your life, as a medical terminology, you are a cancer survivor. It's not me prancing around in the bush going, "I'm a survivor," <laughs> so, <laughs> which I, I I think that's why people um, hate the term. They think it's this, you know. Oh, I'm so you know grateful that I've had this cancer and I'm surviving. No, it's just a medical term. Yeah, you're absolutely right, actually, because I was I was talking in our intro today, and I I actually said, oh, I don't know if that is that right to to say that, and it it does come with that slight, I guess, twang to uh, you know feel, and it's a kind of emotive term. So I'm really glad you said that actually, because I yeah. feel that nervousness sometimes in using that term. Yes, yeah, so, so yeah, you that's have... why I think it's best to clarify the definition. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, that's very, very helpful. So you've had a really broad range of experience through the physiotherapy world. I'm really yes. interested to hear how or if or how your work's changed having been through um, cancer treatment yourself. Do you kind of tackle um, certain situations differently as a result of that or do you think it's the same as it always was? Um, I think I think with my, my patients, uh, my cancer patients, I'm probably a lot more direct. I don't want to use the word harsh, but a, a lot more direct. And I feel that I can be that way given my history. So, um, you know, a bit more like it's really important that you exercise. Well, it, you know, whereas I was a bit before a bit you know, hesitant, like, oh, I know they're not feeling well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I can say I know this is really, really hard. You know, I've been through it myself. But you need to do it because, you know, of all these reasons. Yeah. So I think in terms of, of that, and I'm also a lot better um, at, man- at managing patients that have fatigue, you know, whatever the the medical reason for their fatigue is, um, having experienced the cancer-related fatigue and having this ongoing, you know, mild fatigue, uh, I'm a lot better at at handling that if that if they're coming in and that's their primary you know symptom and motivation to exercise I you know I'm a lot better at you know going right let's get out the you know exercise and activity diary let's rate your fatigue out of 10 let's monitor you know um yes so that's certainly improved but I think um I use a lot of chronic pain management and I just replace the word pain fatigue and it's Mm -hmm. very very similar you know, principles mm. of you're not waiting for your fatigue to go away before you start living. You're just working out what can you, what, you know, meaningful activities can you engage in now? Um, and the first goal is not to provoke your fatigue. Yeah. It's not to make your fatigue go away. It's it's not to provoke it. So I think overall agree fatigue management has uh, improved. So, and then also I think um, the psychosocial element of it. So. Um, I don't, I didn't really get it. Like I'd have patients tell me stories of, oh, you know, my neighbour told me that their friend, you know, I, I told my neighbour I'd been diagnosed with cancer and they told me that their friend had just died of cancer, uh, you know, or um, 
you know, uh, I told this person I had cancer and they told me I was an idiot for doing chemo and I should take supplements and, you know, have a kale smoothie or whatever. And I just like me, oh, yeah. But then being on the receipt, you know, I just think, oh, that, that must have been a, oh, what's the word? That must have just been, um, you know, bad luck. That, that That's not a normal mm. response. But then I've been on the receiving end of lots of, I've had, I've literally made three people cry by, with my cancer state and I had my bald head and I triggered them and they're like, oh, you know, telling me about friends, you know, younger than me or my age who had died. And I'm oh. like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And um, it's like I feel like now I'm in a, uh, I don't want to say a secret club, but I'm in a club where I now realise the full extent of, uh, I guess, the strangeness of human behaviour and maybe I don't know whether it's particular to Western culture that we, like I knew in palliative care that, you know, we're a death-denying culture and don't do well with, um, you know, death or, or tragedy. But then being on the receiving end, I'm like, this is just a part of human behaviour. So, yeah. So I um, And I learned terms because I've never been on Instagram before. Um, I didn't even know how to take a selfie <laughs> until 2020. I had, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was getting family members to film me and then finally they're like, just do a selfie, Mum. I'm like, oh, how do you do that? Yeah. So, um, but that's enabled me to learn some lingo, which has helped me communicate better with my cancer survivors um, or, or other people. So um, I had, uh, you know, a, a lady, she was about 60, and she was saying to me, oh, you know, she was devastated. She, she got a bit weepy. She said, oh, my best friend of, um, you know, 40 years didn't contact me at all during my cancer treatment, you know. Um, and I said, oh, I'm, that's really common and it's got a term. It's called ghosting. She's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really common. Um, and then I said, you know, you might notice that people that you weren't that close to have really stood up mm. and, and um, you know, been there for you. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, you know, this colleague that, you know, we went out for a coffee occasionally, but, yeah, she mm. dropped in meals, et cetera. And I said, well, that's, you know, I went to a, a, a talk by a psychologist. That's called there's like a reshuffling of the decks of your relationships. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and then, you know, she continued to tell stories. I'm like, well, that's called toxic positivity. You know, that's called grief tourism, you know, et cetera. So just these these things having labels make you realise it's not personal, it's just uh, human behaviour. So, um, yeah, I think, I, you know, we could do better as a society, I think. <laughs> I, I completely um, agree. I think it's so... Yeah people can be really direct on on cancer and some of the messages are just frankly quite appalling um from mm. people and i also think that all people are too afraid to say anything at all um yeah and certainly with patients that we work with they feel that they've it's become their identity as it were and mm. something we love as in our in what we do in a day-to-day is that we big it's building that relationship with people and yeah. um you know i know that i speak for joe here but one of the best things we do is just making someone smile in an hour you know and being that yeah. potential that network of support and helping them feel like they can move more um yes. i don't know if i've got the confidence like you to be sometimes so direct i can learn from you there maybe but um i yeah. think it, it is you're right i think the society has just got a lot of work to do a lot of vision to do um i like your concept of social reshuffling i like that a lot i think yeah that's... i wrote that down oh, with the ghosting there was part of me that was like you know i'm never letting you back into my life again Arr. there might be some relationships that you just need to put on hold now and then work out in the future is this worth restore you know re resuscitating or restoring this you know relationship so i put it in this you know to, you know when i look at my behavior um, like I had a, a colleague, um, again, we, you know, we'd been out for after work drinks like once, um, and then she got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm. And I think my belief was, um, 
that she needed her privacy. So I, dro- I dropped off some books. She loved dogs, so I'd buy, you know, nice coffee table books with lots of, you know, rescue dog stories or whatever. I dropped them off, but then I didn't, like, phone her or contact her as much as, you know, in hindsight, as much as I should have because I was like, well, we weren't that close and she'll need her privacy. But now I think, oh, you know, sadly she died. Um, so then when another colleague, uh, you know, in, in 2020, um, again, the same, we'd been for coffees after work, that was it. Um, she had uh, a crammy baby, so her baby came at like, you know, 25 to 26 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I just, and I was going through chemo. So I just put it in my calendar because, you know, my memory wasn't great with all the chemo just to text her, you know, every, uh, I can't remember what it was, like every three weeks. I'd just send her a text message going, no, I'm not going to make the mistake I did before. Like I want her to know that I'm there for her. And then she had similar stuff with people ghosting her. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. It could just be a text message at a regular time saying, oh, just, you know, you don't have to answer. I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Offering offering help in the right way. Mm. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you is not very helpful. Being very specific. Like I can drop round a lasagna on Tuesday. Are you a vegetarian? Yeah, yeah. I I think that's really good to hear that because so many people, maybe the people that are on the ghosting side, probably don't know what to say and they're almost scared of saying the wrong thing, so say nothing at all. So I think that's that's really good advice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think just the power of a a text message to say, "I hope you're okay," or yeah, you know picking up the phone sometimes I think is just so important and I think that yeah certainly in the physiotherapy and the exercise phys world we get that excuse in a way to check in on people and make sure they're okay and how they're feeling but I, in a in a you recalling stories like that it's actually probably I'd probably devalued that myself um because I yeah. just think that's just part of my day part of my job part of what I do but we certainly have it you know there is such a important opportunity there just to reach out and help so for example when I was diagnosed and um you know the breast cancer and I, I went on a little rant of like oh it's not fair I've never smoked and I've always eaten my vegetables and I've always exercised and she said no you're right it's not fair and that's all she needed to say mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but then I had some encounters so one of my favorites favorites it was three weeks after my mastectomy and it was the day after I'd had my water cap in, like the, the tube was still hanging out, and it was the day of my first chemo. So I was having my cardiac echo. So they do, they test your heart function before, to, you know, just <laughs> and monitor it during the, the treatment. So the, oh, I don't know what they're called, the cardiac sonographer, he said, oh, I don't know what we've got talking. And I said, oh, yeah, my, oncolo- my oncologist said, I have to have a year off work. Because, you know, the, the treatment's going to be 18 months and, you know, the harsh treatment. So she said a year. And he's like, oh, you're so lucky. I wish I could have a year off work. Oh, my God. And, and like. <laughs> that's got to be a slip of the tongue, surely. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but then um, but that's a common thing that cancer mm. survivors, you know, are told. And then I had. Um, what was your like, response you know, to that? Nothing. I was in shock. I was so anxious. I was, my anxiety levels were through the roof because I was about to have my first chemo. Yeah, of course. Like I was, I don't think I even processed for a couple of days how vastly inappropriate that comment was. Yeah, no, I was an emotional wreck. So, yeah. yeah, if that happened now, I'd have something different to say. But at the time, I was just like, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, I get most of the nurses were great, but I had one, you know, she's fiddling around, you know, putting the chemo in. She's like, you just must really appreciate what's important in life now. Like this, this must surely be a gift. That one, I was a bit. I just said no. I worked in palliative care. I've worked with people who were hit by a truck. Like, no, I, I think I valued life. But you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> that one we call toxic positivity. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you now kind of stress the importance of movement and exercise um, on patients that you work with 
How did you manage that within your own treatment? Okay, so um, well, I've been supervising cancer patients exercise for years, so I I understand the importance of it. Um, I I had a definite um, exercise is medicine mindset, and I, I think um, the advantage I suppose of being a health professional is I understood my symptoms and I understood that exercise is safe as well. So I think some of those symptoms can be quite scary. Mm. Um, but I'll just go to the exercise mindset first. I actually found this really great documentary from 2016 and I watched it. I don't know how many times I watched it. Um, yeah, so it was ABC, so the Australian Broadcasting Commission, and they followed, um, you know, a research trial where patients went straight from chemo to the gym where they had their exercise supervised by exercise physiologists or radiation to the gym and it was a shared shared waiting area so the same waiting room so chemo radiation gym all co-located uh in the cancer center um and they went through um you know the evidence for it but for me like there's strong evidence that exercise reduces fatigue and um you know quality of, improves the quality of life you know reduces anxiety and depression uh and it's like yeah 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 but when you feel like crap that's <laughs> it's not really that motivating mm. what i found motivating was they went through some of the animal studies and they went through in particular this mouse study where they they gave the mice cancer and then randomized the mice one lot of mice could run on the exercise wheel whenever they wanted to. The other lot didn't have access to exercise. And then after a period of time, they dissected the mice. The exercising mice had tumours that were at least 66% smaller. So as a statistic, it's not as, um, I guess, powerful as looking at the picture. Like they had the picture there of mm. non-exercising mice and the exercising mice. And you're like... Wow. <laughs> yeah, and and um, you know they talked about the the, the tumor suppressing you know role um, of exercise. So it's an area where there's only I guess observational studies. Mm. There are there's a bunch of randomized control trials going on now to see you know does exercise actually you know um, suppress cancer? But it's kind of like um, that was the most motivating to me because. I wanted to live. So, yeah. And I've, I've, I've given that information and I, I give a link to that documentary to cancer patients who come in. So I had one guy come in and his surgeon had said, oh, you need to um, do prehab before your surgery. And, um, you know, and then he'd have his surgery and then, you know, chemo radiation. And he was very, oh, I work really long hours, it's going to be too hard, et cetera, et cetera. I yeah. went through the, you know, I went through the guidelines. He's like, oh. And then I went, right. And I went, click. I found the mouse study. I went on the picture and I, I did say, look, this is a mouse study. We're humans. We're not mice. We don't know, mm. um, you know, whether this works in humans. Like there's one study I know of in the esophageal cancer survivors where there was greater tumour suppression in the exercising group. But anyway, here's the mouse. And then can I send you this documentary? Yes. And then anyway, after the mouse picture, he went, I have to make this work. He said, yeah, I work long hours, but I've got a colleague, she works really long hours and she she does triathlons and she get you know, blah, blah, blah. So she can make it work. So I might have to talk to her about how she makes it work. So he had this, you know. But you'd like that seed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from a, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was quite, you know, helpful. But I mean you do need to tell them it's a mouse, not a human, you know, and we, we don't know. And we've got to wait for those RCTs. But if you're the one with cancer now, you can't sit back and go, Oh, I'll just wait <laughs> years to I, see whether this this does. You've just got to go, Oh, I've got to do it. Yeah, I, th I think I think certainly one of the one of the harder bits about our job, I guess, is when we meet people that we feel potentially can really benefit from exercise whether it be prehab care or rehab care yeah um and then that gentleman 
you know, we'll meet them every day going, I haven't got the time, I haven't got um, the scope, I don't value it, basically. Um, what would be your message to those people who maybe haven't put the value one exercise? Um, and how can we, aside of the mouse study, try and get, we'll make it more accessible, make it less maybe overwhelming and much more valuable to that process? Um. I mean, you need to let people know about the guidelines. I think you need. I think human stories are good, which is why I found that documentary um, so useful. I mean, I'll share, depending on the person, I'll share my experience. Apart from anything, it gives you a sense of control, mm. um, where you know the rest of your life might be, you know, look different, and it, this might be the only thing that is left um, under your control. But it does, um, you know. It does make you feel better and it is possibly, um, you know, enhancing tumour suppression. Uh, my oncologist put it to me. She said, you have to exercise so that more um, of the chemo gets into the tumours. Like that was, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be complex messaging. That was just a very direct, a very, a very direct message. Yeah. Um, so, and then adopting a, uh, you know, so once you've gone through the guidelines, you know, all that, um, then adopting an exercise is medicine mindset. So, uh, again, I'm quite happy to say it. it. It might sound quite direct and quite harsh, but it's it's like you don't skip chemo or radiation because you don't feel like it. So the same should be with exercise. And, and it. <laughs> Talk at our language um, here. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is nobody wakes up going, woo, going to chemo today, yay, or radiation. Um, and so it's the same with exercise. You often don't wake up going, woo, but you just do it. So it's it's like applying that that mindset that, mm. yeah, it's it's not only will it help reduce your symptoms, um, it will help more of the drug get into your, you know, tumours and help boost your immune system, um, you know, to help, uh, you know, further with that that cancer suppression. Yeah. So. As it, well, an answer that is brilliant. Yeah, as I say, very, very well answered and, uh, and mm. very clearly put. Thank you. That's uh, definitely speaking our language, yeah. but, um, yeah, yeah, very, very well said. Yes. Yeah. But it's also good to have, you know, other, other goals as well with whatever. It, I mean, it depends on the person. Like sometimes... I mean, they're kind of fear-based goals, really, um, uh, which is nothing wrong with that if that gets you through. But, you know, it, they might have other goals with, you know, whatever. So for me, I decided early on that I wanted to, I just had the number in my mind. I'm like, I want to do a 1RM deadlift of 80 kilos by the time I finish um, chemo. Um, because I had I, I had my mastectomy first, so I had the surgical restrictions, so I'd lost a lot of strength. So some days that just that number 80, 80. So and yeah, and I managed to do it. Amazing. After 15, hey, managed, yeah, yeah. Managed to do eighty. So that was a, I had no a doubt goal. on that, by the way. <laughs> Sorry? I had no doubt you would have achieved that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that it was good to have that goal that um was I guess about something outside of just staying alive. Like, mm. you know, something making life meaningful. So for different people it might be, like I follow one person, I think she's called Socks and Hikes or whatever. She'd started before her cancer treatment, her goal was to do every um, hike within some area. She's from the United States. I, I can't remember how many there are. There's like, I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred different walks so uh she'd started on that but she continued it during her chemo um yes it was harder she got more breathless uh you know walked slower had to have more rests but but she did it so that was good to see a goal that's not fear-based a goal that's meaningful um to that person yeah but then it's, it's okay if your only goal is I just got, want to get through this, I've got nothing else. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that. But for some people they might need a goal outside so yeah. that their whole life is not cancer. So, 
That's a really good yeah. point. Do you have any specific exercises, you, your go-to exercise that you really recommend to people to manage their fatigue symptoms? Um, I mean, a mix of aerobic and resistance um, is the, well, has been shown to be the most beneficial in a recent um, systematic review and meta-analysis. Uh, there's also evidence for yoga, um, but it's just finding what is the most accessible to you. So, you know, walking, walking is a great one. Yeah, yeah, and it, it can be challenging to do. So I used a lot the five-minute rule. I'll go for a walk. After five minutes, if, if I feel really, if I feel worse, I'll come home. Um, if I'm feeling better, I'll keep going. Um, and all little bits count. Yeah. So don't discount little things like a little walk out to the letterbox and back or two laps around your kitchen bench. So those small bouts of exercise count. So don't engage in all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And then adjust. On your bad days, do less. On your good days, do more yeah Great advice and it, yeah that's no fantastic advice um but again it's putting in systems to make it happen so um some of the stuff i used was um oh just i'll just backtrack i um i live in the state of queensland and the government has identified that you know, chronic disease is very expensive, so they fund um, health behaviour coaching. Uh, okay. Sorry, health health coaching. Yeah. Um, so they train facilitators like myself. So it's a really, really great program that was written by a behavioural psychologist and it's been studied. So it's going back to that health behaviour, you know, things like, you know, finding your why. Um, engaging support is a huge one. So, you know, at the beginning I knew that I wanted to walk um, twice a day um just you know two short walks and so I said to my husband can you make me go for a walk when I feel you know really tired can you force me to go for a walk and he said oh that sounds terrible you should just be resting I'm like, so then, <laughs> but then my oldest my son who was 22 at the time um he said yeah I'll do it because it was locked down he was stuck at home so he used to just drag me you know you know get right how was that? I mean, how Grab was the that? in the... that moment when you were so fatigued, you just didn't want to do it? And... I didn't want to do it. And it was always, I felt like crap the first few minutes and then I'd feel better. Mm. And so when I say feel better, not necessarily good. Sometimes yeah. it was just less crap. So I, I came up with a, if there's any researchers out there, you can you can have it. I came up with a, um, my own system of rating. So because we had the dog that would come on the walk. So I'd say, you know, it was how many bags of dog poo do I feel? So, <laughs> so we, are, we, are, we both, both dog have dogs. Lovers. We love so, dogs. Yeah, that's okay. fantastic. That, that really works for us. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So it might be I felt like 10 bags of dog poo at the beginning and by the end of the walk I only felt like two bags of dog poo. So it's not, you know, I think it's having a realistic expectation of exercise. It's not that. You know, you're going to feel like complete rubbish and then go for a walk and then be skipping through the daisies, you know, full of energy. So, yeah, um, I also, because I've got friends who are health professionals, they were kind of, you know, using systems on me. So one said, right, we're going to meet once a week, um, Zoom, we're going to exercise together. Um this is the exercise equipment I have. You're going to write the exercise program and we're going to do it. So that was that was like my occupational therapy right there, you know, having to write an exercise program for us. Um, and I would wake up and I would just, I would feel so terrible. I would go, oh, but I'd get up, put some makeup on, you know, get dressed. Uh, and then we it was structured. The first 15 minutes was just social chit-chat and then it was the exercise and then we'd finish with social chit-chat. And, I, again, I would feel so dreadful. I didn't want to do it, but by the end I would feel, you know, so much better. So that engaging support um, was really good. Um, you know, that the mindset, uh, scheduling it into my diary. So, um, you know, most chemo days I would exercise afterwards. <clears throat> like I'd go for a walk. Sorry, I'd exercise before. 
So I'd go for a walk, go to the gym, <clears throat> sorry, the home gym, and then when everything reopened, you know, I'd go to the gym um, and then go to chemo. But some days it was scheduled at like 7 a.m. So then I'd go to chemo, drive to the gym on the way home and, yeah, work out. And I'll tell you what, I would have loved to have a gym in the hospital because that was hard to do. Mm. That was that was really hard. Like you just, the car, you know, you just wanted to drive home and you're like, no. Oh, Having you a gym in a hospital so, makes just such sense and it's one of yeah. those frustrating moments where you're going everybody knows that exercise is beneficial for so many yeah problems so many health issues and movement as you put it and it's not a phrase that's new is medicine but we yeah. that we're so far away from it and i yeah. think that having you know even if you got you know, inpatient physios and inpatient exercise physiologists, the limitation on what we can do in that hospital is really quite high because yeah. the equipment isn't in the value of that isn't there. We, yes, we're investing in people, but I just think there's such a need there to do it. So we can start the campaign here. <laughs> My oncologist apologized to me. She was like, I'm so sorry that we don't have a gym. If you were in this hospital over in Western Australia, you'd be going straight to the gym and I'm, I'm very sorry we don't we don't have that but I want you to exercise um yeah so and the messaging is not even getting out there so it's it's really pockets so um the cancer center I was in it there was consistent messaging behind um you know got to exercise got to exercise you know encouraging exercise but then you know I've got friends who were in hospitals just a few kilometers from me who heard nothing yeah. so and had to go on Instagram <laughs> to find out information. I'm like, oh, that's not very good, is it? Uh, yeah, so a lot was put on hold because of COVID. So a lot of places were, you know, developing programs and then it all just got, you know, yeah. put on hold and some of it's still on hold because I guess the money's not there at the moment. So, yeah. Um, and then you get some people that are just getting downright misinformation from oncology providers, which drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. um, like you shouldn't be exercising, which is, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is fine if there's a medical reason for it. But if, but some of them are just saying, oh, no, you should just be resting throughout the whole duration rather than you shouldn't be exercising for this specific reason, like you have a fever. <laughs> so, I think it's, um, I mean, my my take on that when a oncologist or any, any doctor, surgeon, whatever it might be, consultant says, don't exercise. My feel is that they are veering towards the, the, the side of caution and safety um, and you should rest. And it's one of the more, we, we get that. And it's a real trigger for me in that I'm sitting there going, but actually, why are you saying that? What What's the reason for you to say that to that patient? Because is it your knee-jerk reaction of trying to be safe and almost, you know, risk-free by saying do little, do nothing, when actually the reality yeah. is that the outcome of that is much more detrimental to the patient? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we've even got, AS, AS, oh, what are they called, American Clinical Society of Oncology, ASCO, who came out finally last year and said oncology providers should encourage aerobic and resistance training during active treatment. Mm. Um, it's like, should. So I wonder whether it's because the oncologist themselves doesn't exercise. So there's data there as well. I, I saw one study where I can't remember. It was only, you know, it was an international survey of oncologists and I think only 20% 20, 20 themselves were engaged in reg regular uh, exercise. And I've had a lot of, I just love it. I have I've had DMs from a lot of people who said, you know, I was running before cancer and I continued running um, during my chemo and my oncologist started exercising because of me. I've had nice. lots I've got I had lots of things of, you know, along along those I've had quite a few messages, you know, that way. Um, or my oncologist didn't know and I taught them about the exercise guidelines. So uh, yeah. Um, so I wonder if it's that but yeah you're right i think there could be that that risk thing but it's more risky not 
to exercise than to exercise. There are very, very few contraindications to exercise. So, yeah, and and that's part of that. Repeat that sentence again. I'm going (laughs) to clip that and just play it on loop on Instagram. (laughs) 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 There are very few contraindications to exercise. Um, There's a Lancet article that came out within the last few years and it's got, look, were the authors laughing as they wrote it? They had the patient must not exercise if they're unconscious. <laughs> That's right. That. That's brilliant. I'm like, <laughs> it, it just it just shows how few contraindications are in there. If that's what they had to say, I think they're saying if they're in the middle of having a heart attack or you know MI or unconscious. I'm like, oh, thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. But I'll concede. Not- I'll concede that if you're unconscious, you probably shouldn't do any exercise. I'll concede that point. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. completely up for it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's there's so few. You know, like fever. Follow whatever surgical precautions you've been given. You know, if you had a new, unexplained pain or a sudden onset of, you know, massive shortness of breath or you know mm. severe fatigue you know fatigue there's really not that many um mm. contraindications so yeah it's also the mode of exercise it's the mm. the fact that i think people's definition of exercise certainly from mm. maybe the less i'm going to say exercise educated consultants we may be related to um they would look at exercise as this you know burpees and pushing weights and kettlebells and all this stuff and you we're actually saying no no it, this take away exercise is the word and maybe the, the the preconception of what the word and definition is but actually go mm. movement and it's prescribed yeah. movement that's going to help you progress in the right way and have the right support and when yeah. you say that in that word but actually the mode of that movement is in form of exercise you know then yeah. we're there aren't we but i think it's there's there is this i mean in in the uk we have um something called barry's boot camp i don't know if you've got it in australia but it's um like it is it's mental it's like you literally it's 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 like a circuits type class on genuine steroids probably um (laughs) and they're just like and sometimes people think that is the exercise and i think that's the message we find that we had to get across is saying this is science this is not just me people chucking together an exercise program off you know pulling it off a shelf and saying we'll do this today because I fancy it this is actually a a prescribed program that's suitable for you and going to be yeah. balancing your fatigue levels it's going to be looking at your medication your contraindications to exercise looking at your sleep patterning looking at your energy levels today and then we're going to create that on the day here with the only notion of making you feel better and that's I think the real key for me is that that yeah. message is missed and it sadly it sounds like it's missed over where you are as well but i think it's for us that's the message for me and that's what we, you know that's where we come together on this podcast to try and get out there there's there's not enough cancer exercise specialists you know you know the experts to go around so i i see that you know their job would be to be you know giving advice to other people um, and then taking on the really, you know, complex ones. But we, you know, the Australian data shows half the population is going to get cancer by the time they're, I think it's 80. Um, so the likelihood is you're going to see people with cancer. So you you need to be ready, uh, you know, be prepared for it and have that messaging. So, um, you know, I'll just I'll tell you a story of a lady that, um, that came in, you know, she was came into her exercise class and she wandered over and she said, oh, I'm having a biopsy. Um, You know, they found something that's highly suspicious of cancer. So I just thought I'd come today to let you know this will be my last exercise class. And I said, why? She said, well, I I might have cancer. And I went, look, let's hope that it's not cancer, but let's prepare for if it is cancer. Do you have a few minutes? Yes. So I went through all the stuff that we spoke about, all the guidelines. And she said, oh, anyway, <clears throat> at that point we were, you know, COVID was, you know, um, it was after 
the borders had reopened. So, you know, COVID was out in the community. So I set her up on an exercise program because um, she had some equipment at home and then we just, you know, email each other every month. Uh, and she did it, you know, she did a, she did a beautiful job. Um, so that's that's that message that you don't go, oh, my cancer, oh, that's terrible, you know, that you've got, you're prepared, you know, that you've, you've got a that, that mindset that, okay, this is a medicine, I've got the skills in this area and this is the messaging that needs to be, you know, getting out there. So I think sometimes health professionals are, are just too too fearful and too risk averse. So um, I've been seeing a powerlifting coach uh, before my cancer diagnosis, and then um, when the, everything reopened, I went back to her and I actually upped it to twice a week um, the coaching. Um, and look, I'm I'm guessing that maybe she probably felt a little bit anxious. She never showed it, but she did. I sent her some. Um, Research, but she went and checked with her own physio that this was safe to do, and I could tell that she was doing her own reading as we went along, um, because she'd start talking about fatigue management or you know jar you know lingo or jargon, and so she just didn't miss you know didn't miss a beat, and she did a beautiful job because again she had the skills and auto regulation. Felt crap this day, you do less. I felt better this day, we will do more. So I think people just hear the the word cancer and, and get really really scared. So, no, I think I I absolutely love your the your kind of direct approach and the I think that's you know I've certainly learned um, from you today. And I think if if anyone else is listening who perhaps is an exercise physiologist or a physiotherapist or works in the industry, I think we can all kind of take home that um, that that message. But just just to round up, Helen, if if you could give one fairly concise message out to the listeners um, on how to either encourage themselves or perhaps close family or friends to get exercising when faced with a cancer diagnosis, what would that be? Uh, exercise is medicine. So I'll, I'll quickly just use the words of Prue Cormie, who's an exercise physiologist and cancer exercise researcher. Back in... Oh, 2018 she said if exercise was a pill every oncologist would prescribe it every patient would demand it and every government or health service would fund it so you may you may have uh, be familiar with our kind of final question having having listened to um at least at least one one, one episode before this <laughs> so <laughs> The terror that just came over your face then for, lis- for listeners. Um, you got to think quick now. <laughs> you got think think on the spot. So uh, if if there was one song, so it's music related. If there's one song that could, um, let's say, epitomise your approach to work and life, what 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 song would that be? Oh well, I'll tell you the one that I listened to over and over during uh, that kept me going. Doja yeah. Cat. Bitch boss. What's that called? Is the is a bitch boss? I'm a yeah I yeah. Know. That was <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> I, I used to sing. I, I'd sing that to myself at the gym. I'd be feeling like I am not familiar know, with this song. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> are. I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. I'm a bitch and a boss. I shine like boss. Did that obviously this very, is without very... doubt the best answer to the music question we've ever had yeah hands down <laughs> and i and i am i'm definitely not going to edit out the you singing it as well <laughs> sorry what's it called doja cat yeah it's doja cat boss bitch boss bitch yeah. is that what it's called yeah that's yeah. that's what i would sing to myself when i don't, on my really don't know the track yeah 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 very so, motivational, very motivational. I'd like a little du- a duet for both of you, if I can. <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> uh, I, I think one thing is for sure, you'll put a smile on everyone's face there, Helen. So <laughs> I think absolutely brilliant. Thank you so, so much for, for speaking to us today. It's been one of the most enjoyable hours I've had in a long time. <laughs> I don't think and I've stopped laughing. So <laughs> and so informative as well. There's some super important messaging that's we've discussed there. So yeah, thank you. But no, thank you so much. I love that. It's been brilliant. I'm going to go and listen to that song now. Yeah, I'm going to stop, <laughs> I'm just going to stop the recording there. Cool. What an episode that was.
what an episode. I'm chuffed a bit to that. Yeah. Really, I'm really happy. Re- really enjoyed that. And from a from a personal angle, from a professional angle, yeah, brilliant conversation. Mm. I loved it. I loved that there was no nothing held back. It was this is what no I think. this coating. is what I think. This is how it should be. This is what we think of. I'm direct. It works for me. I'm able to be direct. And yeah, I mean it yeah, just brilliant. Really loved it. Yeah. No, and I think those some of those some of that direct messaging is I think you know, I think both you and I can agree is stuff that we are trying to get the word out there on these topics. And for me, it's so good to hear someone else in, you know, a similar direction of work, but you know different country a country that's obviously a little bit ahead of the game to the UK at the moment but just putting it out there and I'm like you know I think we joked in the episode that if we could <laughs> say some of the stuff that she was saying on on Luke that's what everyone needs to hear so mm. um yeah really nice to hear it from from someone else and someone who's I guess got the personal experience of having been through cancer and also professional experience of working with cancer patients that's a very valuable mm. combination isn't it and and honestly, guys, listen, if you know anybody that could benefit from Helen's words, just share it with them, um, because I certainly benefited. Um, and I know that I know people that will definitely benefit from it as well. Um, easy to share and just do it because this is what we're doing it for. Exactly this this type of guest and this type of person. Um, but love that. And Joe, on that note, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Bye. Be the first to hear about our new episodes and find more information by following Exercise Right UK on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.